If you do it and you know that there's going to be a ton of bricks rained down on you, then I think that people will think twice. Governor Ron DeSantis has proposed harsher penalties for violent protesters and protections for police organizations. Some civil rights groups say the act is a step backwards towards Jim Crow legislation. Practicing social distancing from Delray Beach, I'm Summer O'Regan. And from Boca Raton, I'm Dalton Daniels with South Florida Journal for the week of October 30th, 2020. Also this week, with COVID-19 resurging in South Florida, Broward County is requiring masks in public, but the county election supervisor is ignoring the mandate and permitting unmasked voters in polling places. I believe that my health will be at risk, yes, if they go to vote without masks. We'll have these stories and more on this week's South Florida Journal. But first, from Coconut Creek, Regina Kudretseva has some of the other stories making South Florida headlines this week. Thank you, Dalton. South Florida is breaking records for early voting. By Thursday, Democrats and Republicans' tallies were virtually even. Alana Barrett has more. Democrats held a lead early in the week, but Republicans have quickly closed the gap. In a press conference on Thursday, Palm Beach County Election Supervisor Wendy Sartori-Link assured voters they'd be safe at the polls. There is still a mask mandate in Palm Beach County, so we are asking everybody to wear your mask. We also want to say that you have the right to vote, as was mentioned earlier, without being intimidated and without being harassed. So if you're intimidating voters and doing things, and we've heard about that, then we will call the sheriff's office and they will respond. They'll respond, they'll take care of business, and then they'll leave again. So we're not looking for full-time sheriff's presence, but we are going to do what we need to do to make all of our voters feel safe. Thus far, Palm Beach and Broward counties have seen a major increase in early ballot totals as compared to the 2016 election. Palm Beach has seen the largest jump in the state with a 25% increase from the previous election. Around 7.4 million of Florida's 14.4 million registered voters have cast a ballot, either through early in-person voting or by mail. In total, about 51% of the state's registered voters have turned out to the polls. Early voting ends on Sunday. Election day is Tuesday, November 3rd. For South Florida Journal, I'm Alana Barrett. Last month, the Palm Beach County Commission approved its 2021 budget, including a $740 million request from Sheriff Rick Bradshaw. However, in the wake of nationwide protests over police accountability, local activists have voiced their concerns about the sheriff's budget. And as Roland Forrester reports, one organization in particular has responded with various community outreach efforts. Freedom Fighters for Justice formed in the wake of George Floyd's death while in the custody of Minneapolis police in May. Since then, the group has petitioned the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office, staged protests, and attended county meetings. Yet, leader Sham Punasing says his group's activism goes beyond lobbying commissioners. One of our biggest initiatives is helping individuals with voting registration in the low-income neighborhoods and the homeless population as well. You know, populations that a lot of people don't focus on. When we heard about the budget meetings, we decided we should just go out there and make our voice heard again because they kind of just brushed us off. County Administrator Verdenia Baker contends commissioners haven't dismissed Punasing's concerns and that the PBSO budget is justified. 
We're going to need to continue to address the mental health issues along with the drug use issues. All of those psychological issues, that is also some of our costs associated with the sheriff. Still, Baker acknowledges that increased resident demands and continued population growth will likely require reevaluating the 2022 budget. For South Florida Journal, I'm Roland Forster. Something stinks. Residents of West Palm Beach's Baywinds community are turning up their noses at the idea of a proposed horse waste treatment facility west of the turnpike. Area residents concerned with the potential for foul odors are protesting the site of the plant. They are arguing that the operation should be in an equestrian community like the village of Wellington. Project leaders say the likelihood of odors reaching nearby neighborhoods are slim, but locals want no part of it. City commissioners plan to vote on a resolution opposing the facility on Monday. Almost a month after Governor Ron DeSantis allowed businesses in Florida to reopen, COVID-19 infections are once again surging. As total cases, hospital visits, and death are increasing, some officials worry that Floridians are letting their guard down too soon. Tyler Doss has details. With daily COVID-19 cases rising in South Florida, some experts fear that Floridians, weary from seven months of lockdowns and restrictions, are hastily returning to normalcy. In a commission meeting last week, Palm Beach County Emergency Manager Bill Johnson said he believes the county is in a resurgence. Johnson mentioned that there is COVID fatigue, but urged residents that now is not the time to give up on safety protocols. As of Thursday, Broward County had recorded 645 new COVID-19 cases, bringing the total to over 85,000 with 1,522 deaths. Palm Beach County reported 243 new infections, totaling over 51,000 confirmed cases and surpassing Broward County with 1,580 deaths. For South Florida Journal, I'm Tyler Doss. Since September, increasing numbers of Florida college students have tested positive for COVID-19. However, only 269 Florida Atlantic University students have contracted the virus. This is one of the lower case counts in the state university system. Despite this, students and staff worry about a possible return to campus in January. Alex Lissio reports. Local medical experts think school campuses are a key problem. Palm Beach County Health Department Director Dr. Alina Alonzo told the Sun Sentinel that FAU is concerned about young people's behavior, as college towns are becoming hotspots for viral spikes. Dr. Arwen Reyna is a physician with FAU Student Health Services. She says the university is taking coronavirus very seriously to prevent the spread seen in other Florida universities. Our COVID response was very rapid, and we did a lot of pre-planning as soon as we found out it was happening. Although safety measures are in place, adjunct professor Hannah Moody is uncomfortable with the possibility of teaching in person next semester. Students are very close to us as we teach. All you can hope is that students and faculty follow these rules. Safety remains a concern among the FAU community. Freshman Lila Harubi thinks FAU should continue with online instruction. No one knows where people have been or how safe everyone else has been. Limited in-person classes have offered a taste of normalcy, but the fear of an outbreak at FAU still lingers. For South Florida Journal, I'm Alex Lissio. 
Downtown West Palm Beach's skyline transformed when construction on the 30-story multi-use Office One complex began last year. But developer Jeff Green halted the project this past April when COVID-19 prompted a shift to remote work and depressed the market for offices. While some observers expect the post-pandemic workplace to be forever changed, Others suggest that developers like Green will always find tenants. Jerome Deckel has more. The slowdown in the market for office space has led industry observers to reconsider the value of office spaces, literally and figuratively. But Evan Golden, the chief marketing officer for the Berman Law Group in Boca Raton, says remote work has limitations. I still think there's a need for office space. There's less distractions productivity is always way higher when people are working in an office space than from home. Golden's assurances might ring hollow for local developers like Jeff Green, who says the pandemic hurt demand for his West Palm Beach complex, Office One. However, Florida Atlantic University marketing professor Donald Newbound says there will always be a need for office space. With the pandemic, yes, there's a lot more uh, remote work being done. Um, but, you know, there's some parts of the business that still need physical location. As virtual work continues to depress the market for office space, Green says he'll try attracting office tenants by reducing rent to half of his going rate. But he doesn't think he'll have much interest during the pandemic. For South Florida Journal, I'm Jerome Deckel. Last month, Broward, Palm Beach, and Miami-Dade County schools choose not to participate in this year's state football championship finals. Officials doubted the programs could operate effectively during the pandemic, even while following safety guidelines. But as Jensen Jennings reports, this hasn't stopped local high schools from scheduling an alternative championship. Local school officials have attempted to maintain the spirit of the state championship finals, albeit on a smaller scale. The newly adopted Tri-County plan comprises four games with three playoff games. Javier Perez, assistant athletic director for Miami-Dade County, says organizers' concerns were student playtime and visibility to recruiters. Whether had not made a decision on college or on the verge of going from a regular division to a major division, the more they get seen, the better. As important as playtime is, Officials are primarily focusing on student safety during the shortened season. Broward County Athletic Director Sean Sarah notes that students are wearing face masks, sidelines have been widened, and seating has been limited. Every day is a challenge, and we're hopeful that we can get through each of these seasons without any major incident. The high school football season in South Florida is in full swing. For South Florida Journal, I'm Jensen Jennings. Those were some of the stories making South Florida headlines this week. From Coconut Creek, I am Regina Kudrevtseva. You're listening to South Florida Journal. I'm Summer O'Regan. And I'm Dalton Daniels. Remember to follow South Florida Journal on Spotify. And follow us on Instagram at SoFloJournal. Just ahead, with COVID-19 resurging in South Florida, Broward County is requiring masks in public. But the county election supervisor is ignoring the mandate and permitting unmasked voters in polling places. But first, 
As protesters enter their fifth month of public outcry against racial injustice, Governor Ron DeSantis has proposed an act that would instate harsher penalties for violent protesters and protections for police organizations. While some say this will crack down on violent and disorderly conduct, civil rights groups say the act is a step backwards towards Jim Crow legislation. South Florida Journal's Corey Rose has been covering the story. This week, he sat down with Destiny Harris and told her more. Thank you for joining us, Corey. Thank you for having me, Destiny. So tell me more about Governor DeSantis' new proposed legislation. Yes. The Combating Violence, Disorder, and Looting and Law Enforcement Protection Act is the boldest and most comprehensive example of legislation meant to address issues of police violence yet seen in the country. Uh, Parts of the act instate third-degree felony punishments for violence at protests, defunding for local governments that defund their own police programs, and removal of benefits for government employees charged with disorderly conduct. Governor DeSantis spoke at a press conference earlier this month, elaborating on the reason behind the bill. Very robust package. I think what it's saying is we are not going to let Florida go down the road that some of these other places have gone. And if you can do this and get away with it, then you're going to have more people do it. Uh, If you do it and you know that there's going to be a ton of bricks rained down on you, then I think that people will think twice. While Governor DeSantis admitted that Florida has not seen large-scale violence like other parts of the country, he maintained that the state needs to do more to protect law enforcement agencies. Considering the unprecedented size and scope of this proposal, is it safe to assume that the governor is being met with some opposition? Absolutely, that is a safe assumption. Civil rights groups have heavily criticized the proposal, calling it completely arbitrary. Michael Housen, activist and community fellow with the Black Lives Matter Alliance of Broward County, says the act is another example of systemic racism at work. This bill is as draconian as they come. It is the poster child for government overreach and institutionalized racism. This is what it looks like. It does not, you know, dress up in a white hood like the KKK, but it is still racism. Housen asserted that the proposal is meant to police free speech and delegitimize peaceful protests by expanding the definition of what exactly a violent or disorderly protest is. This sounds like a pretty complex issue with many different stakeholders involved. Can you give us any details about where local law enforcement officials stand about the proposed law? Certainly. I spoke with Delray Beach Police Chief Javaro Sims, who noted that many of the points the proposed law seeks to address are already illegal. I think we already have uh, statutes that cover the vast majority of those already. For instance, we have a disorderly conduct statute. We have a inciting a riot statute, a destruction of property statute. We have a battery on the law enforcement stra- uh, statute. We have a trespass statute. We also have a criminal mischief uh, uh, statute. So with that being said, a lot of the things that he's uh, introducing we're pretty much already able to do based on Florida state statutes. Chief Sims said he doesn't think the law will impact Delray at all, citing the alleged relationships built between law enforcement and the community there. If the punishments in the proposal are already part of Florida statutes, why is the proposal so controversial? 
Are there any parts of the act in particular that stand out to you? Yes. One particular component of the act would excuse individuals who kill or injure protesters while, quote, fleeing from a mob. Other criticism for the act comes from those who say the act does nothing to actually address police brutality. Housen let me know that the issue runs deeper than just violence at protests. Whenever someone chooses to flex power and force rather than listen when they are being addressed or redressed with a, 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 a conflict, that lets you know exactly what they're about. They don't really care about people. Right? Or, or at least they don't see us as people. DeSantis also drew criticism for proposing a special session to vote on the act. This comes after Florida Republicans rejected Democrats' plea for a special session in May to address COVID-19, rising unemployment rates, and voting access for returning citizens. The act is currently set to be a focal point of the March 2nd, 2021 Florida Legislative Session. This definitely seems like a big legal battle, and I guess we will have to wait and see what the outcome is. Thank you so much for your insight. You are very welcome. South Florida Journal's Corey Rose telling us about Governor Ron DeSantis' proposed law and order act and the potential impacts on South Florida. You're listening to South Florida Journal. I'm Summer O'Regan. And I'm Dalton Daniels. Remember to follow South Florida Journal on Spotify. And follow us on Instagram at SoFloJournal. Just ahead, with COVID-19 resurging in South Florida, Broward County is requiring masks in public. But the county election supervisor is ignoring the mandate and permitting unmasked voters in polling places. But first... Regina Kudretseva has a recap of some of the stories we've been following this week. Thank you, Dalton. South Florida is breaking records for early voting. By Thursday, Democrats and Republicans' tallies were virtually even. Almost a month after Governor Ron DeSantis allowed businesses in Florida to reopen, COVID-19 infections are once again surging. As total cases, hospital visits, and death are increasing, some officials worry that Floridians are letting their guard down too soon. And? Last month, the Palm Beach County Commission approved its 2021 budget, including a $740 million request from Sheriff Rick Bradshaw. However, in the wake of nationwide protests over police accountability, local activists have voiced their concerns about the sheriff's budget. Those were some of the stories making South Florida headlines this week. From Coconut Creek, I am Regina Kudrevtseva. You're listening to South Florida Journal. I'm Summer O'Regan. And I'm Dalton Daniels. With COVID-19 surging again in South Florida, the Broward County Commission is requiring masks in public. But at least one county official is ignoring the mandate. Broward County Supervisor of Elections, Peter Antonacci, has directed his staff to allow voters without masks at polling places on Election Day, November 3rd. South Florida Journal's Angel Rassi has been covering the story. 
This week, he sat down with Sabrina Sanchez and told her more. Thank you for joining us, Angel. Thank you for having me. Why don't you tell us what's going on with Broward County letting voters without masks into polling places on election day to vote? Well, as you know, the coronavirus pandemic has been around since late 2019, and it's made its way here to the United States, and Florida was even a hotspot at one point. The CDC recommends to wear a mask, wash your hands as often as possible, and don't touch your face. Governor Santis even agreed with the CDC at the beginning of the pandemic and urged Florida residents to wear a mask. But as time has gone on, he has slowly eased out of it and is only requiring people to wear masks and is not allowing officials to enforce mask wearing. Broward County Supervisor of Elections Peter Antonacci is following Governor DeSantis's orders and on election day, he is not enforcing mask wearing at the polling places. Poll worker Tony Williams is worried about that. I believe that my health will be at risk, yes, if they go to vote without masks. Tony Williams is in his mid-60s, and as you know, the coronavirus is especially susceptible to that age group and higher. So if somebody goes into the polling places without a mask and spreads the virus, he can easily get it and die from it even. So since Governor DeSantis is still allowing officials to require face masks but not enforce the use of them, can citizens get punished for not wearing them? I spoke to Delray Beach City Attorney Lynn Gillen about that, and she said individuals cannot get punished or fined for not wearing a mask according to Governor DeSantis's orders. Is there any other possible way for the voters at the polling place to feel safe about their health aside from hoping that others wear masks along with themselves? Well, the CDC has also mentioned that to wash your hands often and don't touch your face, along with standing six feet away from each other, you can be fairly safe from the virus. And I asked Delray Beach City Attorney Lynn Gillen if polling places can take people's temperatures or have areas for non-masked voters to vote. You you can take someone's temperature before entering a building, in order and and you know make note of it. And if somebody is exhibiting symptoms, you know you can take some action on that. Well, as City Attorney Lynn Gillen explained, the polling places have the right to take people's temperatures before they enter the polling place, and can jot down if they are good enough to go in and vote. I also spoke to Broward County Mayor Dale Holness about that, and he says it's up to the Broward County Supervisor of Elections if they want to do that. Why is Mayor Holness allowing people to go vote without masks? Well, if it was up to Mayor Holness, they would be wearing masks, but he can't override Governor DeSantis's orders. The voting system is under the direction of the supervisor of election. Uh, the current supervisor of election is appointed by uh, the governor, but on the regular basis, that office is elected by the people of Broad County. As Mayor Holness explained, when it comes to election day and voting, it's really all up to the supervisor of elections, Peter Antonacci's decisions. And he can't override Governor DeSantis's orders, so he can only require and not enforce. What does he think about allowing people to go vote without masks? Well, Mayor Honus brought up 
what the CDC has said about standing six feet and wearing a mask to get the best result with this virus? I, I don't think it's something that's allowing for us to reduce the spread of the virus. I think everyone should wear a mask when they're out in public interfacing with others. Mayor Holness also explained how Broward County is setting up for Election Day with extensive protocol, like setting up a bunch of hand sanitizing stations, making sure people will stand six feet apart, and making sure that as many people as possible wear masks. Thank you for your time and insight, Angel. You're welcome, and thank you for having me. South Florida Journal's Angel Rossi, telling us about the Broward County election supervisor's decision to allow unmasked voters in polling places. You've been listening to South Florida Journal. I'm Summer O'Regan. And I'm Dalton Daniels. South Florida Journal is a joint production of Dr. Kevin Petrick's broadcast and advanced broadcast journalism classes and FAU's School of Communication and Multimedia Studies. I'm Alana Barrett. I'm Sabrina Sanchez. I'm Summer O'Regan. And, and we're your South Florida Journal producers. And here's the rest of the crew. This is Regina Kudrevtseva with my fellow assignment editors. Jensen Jennings. And me, Destiny Harris. And here are our script writers. Roland Forster. Jerome Deckel. Michaela Purvis. And I'm Tyler Dawes. But let's not forget about social media. Stay connected and follow us on Instagram at SoFloJournal. All sounds considered by Dennis Morgan. Nicole Gote. And me, Dalton Daniels. Music composed and performed by Colin Orange. Thank you for listening and make sure to tune in in two weeks for South Florida Journal. 